Hey everybody, Josh McNall here, back for another episode at the Frontier of Theology, Culture, and the Church. I'm really excited in this conversation to talk about the future of Christian higher education. You may know that I work at a university. You may know that Christian higher ed has been facing unprecedented challenges in recent years. And today I've got an expert on that, someone who's worked in higher ed for many years, Ken Shank, at places like Indiana Wesleyan University, Wesley Seminary, Houghton College, and now in the field of innovation through an organization called CampusEDU.com. As always, if you would give us a nice, honest review, you can like and share this podcast. It really helps us to get the episode out there. And without any further ado, Ken Schenk in the future of Christian higher ed. Can Christian higher ed survive. Hey, Outpost Theology listeners, this is your host, Josh McNall. We're back for another episode at the Frontier of Theology, Culture, and the Church. And I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time, probably for selfish reasons, because I work at a Christian university, uh, and I finally got around to doing it. I'm interviewing a friend of mine, Ken Shank, who works now for Campus edu and has been posting and writing and thinking and working for a long time in christian higher ed and about creative solutions for christian higher ed so ken thanks for joining us on the podcast glad to be here by the way just in case anybody does look it up you'll find it at uh, campusedu.com ah campusedu.com is where you're at sorry about that no just want to make sure if anybody does follow up well, you were for years at Indiana Wesleyan University there. Uh, you're a New Testament scholar, correct? Allegedly. Allegedly. And uh, done work in the book of Hebrews and in Philo, if I'm not mistaken. And a little, little bit. Lots of other things. Then you were at Houghton College uh, for a while as a vice president there. And now you've got this, this new venture uh, at campus. And uh, I thought maybe the entryway to the conversation about the future of Christian higher ed uh, would be to ask you what drew you to higher ed in the first place? Yeah, so I was a chemistry major. I went to Southern Wesleyan when it was back Central Wesleyan um, and uh, felt a call to ministry my first year there. Um, switch, uh, finished out the year as a chemistry major and then switched to the religion department. Um, had a great time there. It was just what I needed. I needed to grow up more than anything. You know, I love I love studying, but I needed to grow up. And not not that my wife would tell you I still haven't, probably. But um, uh, SWU was just the right crucible for me. Uh, that campus environment, uh, I needed it. Um, I needed to learn how to be responsible. You know, without my mother saying you need to do your homework, Kenny. Um, so uh, SWU was just a great place. Uh, called a ministry. Uh, had great professors, Bob Black, who also taught at Oak Woo. Um, in fact, we stole him my last year uh, at SWU from Oak Woo, uh, back when it was uh, Bartlesville. Mm-hmm. Um, great experiences there. Um, went to Asbury Seminary because I didn't feel grown up enough to pastor uh, when I finished my bachelor's degree and everybody else was going to seminary. So, you know, peer pressure. No, as, my time at Asbury was was great. Um, time of of deepening. Um, and when I got to the end of my time there, I kind of came to uh, a fork in the road. You know, do I go take a pastor, pastorate or um, or do I pursue uh, a ministering through teaching pastors? And uh, I put out a fleece, which I don't necessarily 
you know, just because Gideon, you know, just because it worked for Gideon doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it's God's preferred way of, you know, let's not choose general superintendents by casting lots. At least I, I don't recommend that. Um, so uh, I became a teaching fellow at Asbury, uh, teaching Greek and Hebrew there. That was really in many respects, just most enjoyable, pure fun of my my whole career. I mean, I've, I've had lots of fun. Teaching is so much fun. I love it. Um, but it, it kind of brought me down a path, went on to do a PhD, University of Durham and New Testament, um, was very thankful for IWU to give me a job because even, even in the early 90s, it was getting hard to get a teaching job, um, actually slipped in with philosophy, um, you know, because they needed a philosophy teacher. They weren't even sure whether they were going to keep requiring philosophy, you know, so yeah, we can bring in this Ken guy. Uh, anyway, more than more information than you uh, you wanted, uh, but uh, I taught for 20 some years. So I'm still teaching, I'm teaching a course right now uh, for Houghton philosophy um, and uh, teach a little for adjunct a little for IWU. Um, so that's kind of how I got into higher ed. Um, about 12 years ago, uh, a little more than 12 years ago, 13, uh, 14, um, IWU felt like we needed to start a Wesleyan seminary. You know, real real denominations have seminaries. Are we a real denomination or what? So we started Wesley Seminary. I was the, the founding dean. Kind of got, got the itch for academic innovation doing that. Because when you're inventing a seminary, you can do things that nobody else is doing. Now, whether we did the right things or not, you know, I'll let history um, decide. But that got me into this, this path of uh, academic innovation that I've been on ever since. I went to Houghton, vice president for planning and innovation, worked a lot with the online program there. Um, and then um, uh, uh, Campus EDU, come on over to Macedonia, you know. And um, so with Campus EDU, we are hopefully, you know, if, if we, I, I think we will do very, very well in the, the long run. Uh, but if, let's say that for some reason we didn't continue, somebody else is going to do what we're doing, I think. Mm -hmm which is creating a, not only a marketplace for students um, to sample from the best of a wide variety of colleges, but we're also trying to uh, bring online courses into, into the, the uh, Amazon Prime age, the Netflix, I don't, actually Netflix seems old school to me even now, but the Disney Plus age, mm -hmm. uh, the Marvel Universe, bringing, bringing Christian higher education into the Marvel Universe. Uh, so that's more than you asked for. Yeah. No, that's good. It's helpful because it's similar with me. You know, I, for me and probably for a lot of our listeners, uh, being at a Christian university, I came to Oklahoma Wesleyan. It was an incredibly formative time in my life. I grew up a lot. I grew in my faith a lot. I sensed a call to ministry. I had, I built Christian friendships with people who I'm still incredibly close with today. But you know, some of our listeners may not know if you if you don't work in Christian higher ed, or if you maybe if you don't even work in the church, like you, you might think, oh, well, Christian universities—they're just clipping along; they're probably doing fine. But for those of us who this is our field, we know that the times are not good for Christian universities. And if you look on Christianity Today or any sort of news source, there's just 
continual stream of news about these sort of stalwart institutions, the real leaders in Christian higher ed going through incredibly difficult circumstances. Uh, my school where I did my seminary work was Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in Massachusetts. They just announced the planned sale of their entire South Hamilton campus, which was their main campus, this beautiful yeah. New England sprawling Billy Graham helped found, you know, and they're going to have to sell that whole thing in the attempt to survive. Um, yeah. I've got friends who have been laid off from places like Ted's another sort yeah. of stalwart yeah. uh, seminary, just incredible challenges. So uh, I didn't want the episode to start off on an apocalyptic note, although I, I guess that's fitting for a New Testament scholar. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about what, let's define the problems, some of the problems facing Christian higher ed that are leading to these sort of catastrophic uh, cutbacks and layoffs and closures and sale of campuses and, and, and stuff like that. Can you talk about what are some of the, the, the forces that are aligning against Christian higher ed? Well, several, you know, so when I, when I went to Houghton, we were, everybody was talking about the demographic click, cliff of 2026, which, you know, we're, we're not even there yet. So, I mean, if it's this bad now, you know, uh, uh, not even the very elect would not be saved, you know? <laughs> um, uh, so there, there was, um, there were, not as many people born, you know, in 2008 and nine during the recession and so forth. And um, I was, I want to give a plug, you know, for Oklahoma Wesleyan and, and Southern Wesleyan, because demographically speaking, um, uh, they are in much better shape than schools say in the North. Northeast is, dun, 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 you know, North, it's very, definitely apocalyptic for schools in, in the Northeast, um, New York uh, and, and the New England states, um, Indiana, not boding well for 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 demographics and we're not even there yet mm -hmm. um so that's something that everybody should be planning for um oklahoma southern wesleyan um especially because of rising latino uh population um if, if i were to give a you know here I, hi i'm ken here's your prescription you know i would i would definitely suggest that oklahoma wesleyan and and southern wesleyan begin to uh, uh they are already but i mean to really um uh be be cultivating the kinds of programs and and uh, systems that would be favorable to uh, to a, a rising Latino um, mm -hmm. population. So there's demographic yeah. demographic things. I do think that um, uh, the the value proposition is not coming across, you know, to a lot of people. Um, I know when I was at Houghton, uh, then then President Shirley Mullen used to say, "Why you know why aren't our alumni?" giving giving more of a nudge to their children you know to come to our schools alumni don't seem to be uh and and their children aren't um there just isn't that um you know my dad teaches at indiana wesleyan i want to go to indiana wesleyan mm -hmm. or my dad went to you know uh, x school therefore i want to go to x school so that mm -hmm. that sense of um of commitment to christian higher education i, I think uh, a lot of people say, well, it's much cheaper. So cost, I think mm -hmm. cost has to come in here. It's much less expensive for me to go to Purdue. You know, I can pay $10,000 in tuition and $10,000 in room and board and go to Purdue. Mm -hmm. um, why, why would I spend, well, the sticker price on a lot of Christian higher ed is in the 40,000s, you know, 
No, we all know that's a, well, I don't know whether people know that's a game. It's not really that much. Um, we have this horrible game called unfunded discounts where we're an important school. We, it's $44,000 to come here, but we're going to give you $20,000 in scholarships that your parents have to pay taxes on. Um, so, um, uh, the, the price I think is a big, a big factor, you know, am I really getting enough more from a Christian school, mm-hmm. you know, for me not to go down to IU, you know, or, or wherever this place that's much less expensive. Yeah. Um, so just to um, review real quick. So you've got yeah. the demographic cliff, which is basically, look, when there's a big economic downturn, like in 2008, the housing crisis, fewer babies get born. Yeah. And then if you extrapolate that out, you know, however many years, well, then there's, far fewer people going to college. And so 2025, a lot of people saying like maybe 25% fewer college students even available, depending on where you are geographically in the United States. Like you said, New England, really bad, um, you know, not as bad in the South and places like that. Then you talk about like decreased loyalty amongst alumni saying that like, Hey, I went here, you're going to go there. And then of course the rising cost of Christian higher ed, uh, really higher ed in general, but of course, private institutions, you know, that don't get the state money. It's, um, it's more. So I want to go back to the second one real quick. Why do you think uh, there's a kind of decreased alumni generational loyalty? You know, cause that can't be reduced purely to like economic or demographic factors. That seems to be more of a cultural or ecclesial reality. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I could say that that um, in our per- current political climate, um, that um, there are a lot of alumni, and again, I, I can't speak for every school. Maybe, maybe different at every school, but there are, there are alumni of different schools that think that everybody's gone liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I know some about Indiana West and, and Houghton, um, and let me say, Indiana West, in my opinion neither Indiana Wesleyan nor Houghton are truly liberal in, in my opinion. Um, and yet there, there are rumors and, and, you know, wars and rumors of wars. There are these kind of uh, chatter, chatter. Uh, I was gone liberal, you, you know, and uh, we need to get back to, um, uh, to the basics. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that's true myself of these schools, but certainly uh, it's kind of like, well, you know, if if my Christian school is just as as liberal as my secular school, why not pay less money and send them to the secular school? Right. Um, I think that is a factor in some in some cases mm-hmm. um, in the in the alumni chatter, you know, out there. We need somebody who's going to bring us back to the, um, uh, you know, make make Christian colleges great again. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then there's a perceived mission drift amongst the alumni about their institution, which, of course, in some cases probably been true. Uh, Clearly, higher education has had a drift toward more progressive directions, but in other cases, maybe more perception. I do think sometimes for folks who aren't, you know, insiders to, to Christian higher ed, when they think higher ed or private, especially private institutions, they have these visions in their mind of these like elite, wealthy, uber progressive coastal enclaves uh, and that are not at all representative of the, the place where I inhabit, you know, the place I work, but there is this sort of this aura of perception 
about what those institutions are. And, um, and that sometimes hurts those of us who are in institutions that are trying to be faithful uh, to our, you know, our church roots and our identity and our Christian mission, while at the same time, not being fundamentalist, um, you know, enclaves either. And I might throw out, you know, again, uh, you know, take take what I say, however, you know, you evaluate it. There, there is can be, I think, a white collar, blue collar divide between the academy and the church, you know, where um, white collar feels liberal um, and, and the academy tends to be more of a white collar uh, kind of place, um, whereas the the kind of, you know, I working person, so to speak. I mean, I think we work in the academy too, but you know, there, there can be a cultural, there can be a cultural, uh, um, a disconnect that is interpreted as, um, they're liberal or, yeah. or they're irrelevant. Yeah. Um, um, so I, again, I'll let you evaluate that, you know, maybe that's a faulty hypothesis, yeah. it's something that I've been thinking of late. Yeah. The divide between white collar and blue collar. That's a cultural divide. I mean, there's this sort of strong upsurgent populism right now in certain segments of the United States and certainly increased polarization between, you know, right and left, white collar, blue collar elites perceived quote elites and yeah. you know, regular people. So, well, that's good. We've outlined some of the problems, I think. And that's where I wanted to start. We've talked about the demographic cliff. We've talked about, you know, increased cost of Christian higher education. We've talked about the perception of mission drift and maybe a, a less sort of generational loyalty where alumni just send their kids for, for a variety of reasons um, that's been diminished. Let's talk about next, what have been sort of the attempted solutions to this problem to try to save Christian higher ed uh, that have not always worked uh, before we get to maybe what are some of the possible solutions? What have been the solutions that maybe have been tried, but haven't necessarily succeeded? Well, I mean, the first, the first thing that popped into my mind, and, and I'm not going to say it hasn't succeeded, um, but uh, you, uh, you may know that Houghton College did a price reset. Um, so they basically said, okay, COVID's got everybody in a, in a discombobulated form already. Why don't we just cut out this unfunded part? You know, I was mentioning the $20,000 lie you know uh that um okay we're we're not really charging you forty seven thousand. you know it's mm -hmm. actually more like 24 you know mm -hmm. um on average you know but we're going to make you feel good by giving you this massive scholarship that you have to pay taxes on um but um so um they did they've cut uh significantly um prob possibly too much uh mm -hmm. Fly on, fly on the wall. I can say whatever I want, right? No, they're not employing me. Um, Ken is no but, longer employed by a Wesleyan institution. He could say whatever he wants. I, on the other hand, will be very circumspect. But, but um, you know, I, I, I think there's skepticism about those sorts of price resets. Um, it's not always been successful. Um, cer certainly, the first year yield wasn't you know, they'll come, the masses will come, you know, of course, that's still coming out of COVID. So I think um, this fall will be much more of a, of a much better indication of whether that price reset has actually yielded the results, you know, that we that they wanted it to. But that's one attempt um, to, to actually say, you know, you know, if I if I were king for a day, I would I would begin 
if I were if I were uh, Jim Dunn, you know, I would begin a you know some sort of a five year price decline, you know, that would get us into a more. Uh, and I say honest; it's not really a matter of dishonesty. I mean, is um, Kohl's being dishonest by giving you those coupons? You know that yeah. um, nothing actually costs what they're charging. So it's not really dishonesty, but you know. Um, so price resets are things that that a few, not many, mm -hmm. um, have done to try to adju adjust it. So it'd be analogous to the car lots. You know, there's car lots where it's assumed that you'll get yeah. a better deal by haggling, by, you know, the, the, the sticker value is not actually what people pay. And then there's car lots where, no, that's exactly what you pay. We want to, and that'll get you in the door because it'll be a lower price. What you're saying Carmax, is I'm a CarMax kind of guy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to haggle. I want tell me how much this car really costs. Yeah. So but course, I think what you're sure. saying is that's been attempted. And in a lot of cases where it's been attempted, it hasn't been incredibly successful, right? right. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yes. It's fair to say that that's not necessarily been, a, well, it has not been a silver bullet anywhere that I know of. So you um, may be a CarMax guy, but uh, parents and high school students, at least for now, that hasn't seemed to be like a silver bullet at all, right? Because the people who actually are wealthy want, uh, okay, these are all my my thoughts. You know, I welcome I welcome pushback anywhere, um, but it seems to me that the, even the parents that can pay the sticker price want their to feel like their children are special and getting scholarships. Yeah, you, you know, there's so, a psychological yeah. factor there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's one per, that's one attempted solution. The the whole like cut your discount, uh, cut your you know give people basically the actual price instead of. Um, in making the price look higher than it is and then giving a bunch of scholarships there. What are some other attempted solutions that maybe just haven't worked at least across the board particularly effectively? Well, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not sure that this hasn't worked, but I mean, I, I, I do think, again, my opinions are my opinions, that the, 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 there's a lot of hiring going on of college presidents, you know, right now. And I, I suspect that if you were to to kind of weigh what that's looking like, there is a move, I think, in a more conservative direction. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so boards of trustees, I think, again, I, I may be wrong, are generally hiring uh, individuals to lead colleges who their alumni base will be uh, perceived to be um, more tried and true. Uh, to the conservative values of yeah. of, the, of the school. Now, I can't say that that hasn't worked. I mean, I don't I don't know that we we know long enough, but I do think that that um, uh, you know you look at a Cedarville, you know, that's growing. Um, uh, I don't know how Liberty's doing now. It's had some problems, but I mean, <laughs> just but, just a few. But um, you know, the conservative has been growing. Um, in, mm -hmm. in times when others, I think, I think Columbia International in, in South Carolina has been doing well mm -hmm. uh, at a conservative school. So, so I do think that one, another move that's been uh, in, underway is kind of an attempt to, to move the schools back in a more uh, conservative direction. So we'll see, we'll see yeah. in the next few years whether that yields fruit. Online is another attempt, you know, yeah. well, online is the silver bullet that will solve all of our problems. Yeah. Um, and that has not, uh, that has not been the case. Um, well, for years, that was the, uh, the cash cow, right? This, that's right. what a lot of institutions use to really fund their on ground campuses. Uh, if you think about, uh, I, I mean, I won't 
name all the names, but uh, really it was the the place where you could kind of make up ground uh, by having these these robust online programs that then help to fund your on-ground campus. It seems to me that that is no longer the case. And in it many is, cases, the online side of things is suffering far more dramatic um, shortfalls than the on-ground yeah. side. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about the drivers for that? Well, I mean, I suppose it's a saturated market um, in part. You know, when Indiana Wesleyan uh, jumped on the online uh, train, I mean, there was a time in, I think it was in 2006 or 2007 that Liberty passed IWU. I mean, I, I mean it's, just, it's staggering to think that there was a time when, you know, Liberty's 100,000 student, you know, online program, I don't know what it is today, but um, there was a time when Indiana Wesleyan's online program had more students than, than Liberty's online program. It just, it was there at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think uh, there, there's just too many programs um, and there are, you know, you, no, none of the, no Christian school um, that's listening to this podcast has the budget of a Southern New Hampshire, mm-hmm. you know, Southern New Hampshire is a, it's a, it's a monster from what I understand, a budget that has to be advertising that has to be fed. And, and if, if Southern New Hampshire suddenly stopped uh, advertising, it would go the way of Phoenix. I, you know, Phoenix was all the rage, you know, at one point, because it was the first person, you know, first college in to do all that online. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is, it is a, uh, uh, someone once said at Indiana Wesleyan that for them to now catch back up, you know, to those schools, it would take so many millions and millions and millions of dollars more than it took, you know, in the early 2000s to do it. So it's a saturated market mm-hmm. and it's a market without much distinction. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, eventually I, I want to put in a plug for Campus EDU. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create the next generation online course that actually uh, revamps the the demand, but, but yeah. the, the business as usual online is pretty flat, I think. Yeah. Well, it's owned by, I mean, it's see, and I'm not an expert on online education by any means, but like you said, everybody now has it. So the market's very saturated. And then just like everything else in business, whether we're talking about Walmart or Amazon, or it, it's kind of owned by these behemoths, whether it's the liberties of the you know, New Hampshire, whatever, you know, formerly University of Phoenix kind of stuff. And that's harder for these uh, smaller Christian schools to compete with the behemoth, the big box store, so to speak, yeah. um, on in the online market. Hey, Apple Theology listeners, in this episode on Christian higher education, I would be remiss if I didn't extend an invitation to support Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Here at OKWU, we are passionate about remaining rooted in the scriptures and training up young men and women for the calling that God has placed on their lives. If you would like to support that mission or learn more, you can go to okwu.edu slash give to find out more. We're supported by many generous donors, which allow us to provide generous scholarships to students who are pursuing God's call on their life. And we'd be honored if you would consider supporting us as well. Again, that's okwu.edu slash give. What about these, um, you hear of these new institutions popping up that I would almost liken them, you hear of like micro churches or churches that are intentionally small 
kind of house church movements and things like that. You hear sometimes about these like micro institutions where it's like, Hey, we're going to focus on classical learning. We only offer one degree, one degree. Uh, and so we can offer incredibly cheap, you know, tuition, um, and, you know, you probably use adjunct professors from various institutions and have a, a kind of skeleton crew running the, the ship there. Have, have you done any research on that as uh, one alternative? It seems like that's the antithesis of, you know, on one side, it's everything's going online, 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 online. And then there's this other kind of like micro um, model where it's very scaled back in the number of degrees they offer and a little bit more focused on, you know, formation. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, uh, again, I'm, uh, I'm just shooting the breeze with you. I think, I think niche is, is essential. You have to have, you know, what is the thing that you go there to study for and, um, or, or that you take those classes, um, uh, India or Houghton has a great, I think, online psychology degree, mm-hmm. um, which I felt was kind of unique. I mean, there are other online psychology degrees, but but um, uh, the former enrollment guy there used to say, well, what if we just did away with all of our online programs and we just focused on having the best online psychology uh, degree in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the place where we mail eyeballs to you for to to, to dissect, you know. Um, and, uh, I mean, that is a strategy. I think, I think having, having a niche is, is that's, that's the key and having enough people that, that, that want that niche. I mean, the problem is, um, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of Christian higher ed all thinks they have the same niche, Mm. you know, our, our niche is we're a high academic quality, um, small rural college program. Okay. Mm. Who have I just described? Um, so, um, but I do, I do think, I, I do speak more to the converse. I feel like with all the downsizing that's going on, everybody is downsizing to the same blase core, hmm. um, you know? So, you know, well, we know the business and nursing and education are, mm-hmm. you know, good programs, you know, but not if everybody is cutting out all of all of the other programs that might make them distinctive yeah. down to the same core that everybody else is, yeah. is cutting down to. <laughs> yeah. And that's something I'm super passionate about. And, you know, and I run the honors program here at Oklahoma Wesleyan. Um, and so we have opportunities for students to do a double major in a degree of their choice. So it could be business, it could be education, it could be whatever, but then to be involved in more of the humanities in smaller class sizes in the honors program, studying um, classics and philosophy and literature and art and history. And it seems to me that if Christian colleges, if the solution is we're going to cut all the humanities and we're just going to get down to this practical, like almost this core of classes, well, then you've, you've taken the, you've taken the soul in some ways out of the institution and then there's not much of a reason to go to a Christian institution rather than brand X, you know, uh, at least that's my soapbox issue is we can't cut out um, those areas of formation in 
and the humanities. We can't be naive and think, hey, come here and do a degree in art, history, and underwater basket weaving. You know, that's there's no there's not a lot of future in that, but we can't destroy the humanities in the attempt to, you know, to to save the ship, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I if you if you cut if you cut everything that is distinctive, then there's no reason for you to exist. Um, you know, I, I was looking at a school once uh, out out west, and I thought, wow, they've they've done a good job of of uh, cutting down their programs. You know, but I see nothing of any interest here. <laughs> um, so why would a student go here? Other than you know, maybe it's a regional. You know, it's my neighborhood college. I'll go there, um, which might work if you're in a populous area, in you know, um, to some degree. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying uh, in in principle. I mean, I mean, part of again, plug for campus. I mean, part of part of what we're doing is um, the idea that if if your market is global, if it's truly global, <laughs> then you can you can have a major in linguistics because even though there may be you know, five Wesleyans in the United States that want a degree in linguistics, there might be a thousand worldwide, mm -hmm. you know, uh, who, who are interested in, in that. Um, so I think, uh, when you, you, you can do some of these, um, the problem is getting people to know you exist. Mm -hmm. You know, you may, you may have the best underwater basket weaving online program in the world, and there are probably enough people in the world, you know, for a, for an online underwater basket weaving, you know, major to actually fly. Um, the question is, how do you get underwater to let them know you have a program, you yeah. know, they're in the depths of the sea, you know, and you can't <laughs> find them. Hey, I'll post theology listeners. One last plug in this episode for the Oklahoma Wesleyan University graduate and professional studies program or GPS. If you are interested in a high quality Christian liberal arts education, but you can't come to our Bartlesville campus to be a traditional student, we have degrees for you that are 100% online. Graduate degrees like our Doctor of Business Administration and our Doctor of Nursing Practice, undergraduate degrees like degrees in business, ministry, and leadership, and even certificate programs in things like church planting in Christian ministry. Just go to okwu.edu to find out more and type in GPS. Well, let's, let's talk about some of those solutions then. We've talked about, you know, some of the other, yeah, another big solution, especially for schools in our conference has been, you know, athletics. Athletics will save the ship, you know, because Americans love their sports. And, and certainly that's been helpful in a lot of places to, uh, to maintain the on-ground footprint. And I'm not, a, I, you know, not opposed to athletics at all. Uh, but what are some other solutions that you see? for Christian higher ed. If you're, and I think you're like me, we believe in Christian higher ed. We think that it's important. It's important to have colleges and seminaries, um, grad schools that are distinctly Christian while not being, you know, fundamentalist or liberal, you know, sure. modernist. So there's a, there's a need for that, especially in these times in our culture. So what are some possible ways forward for a Christian higher ed uh, that can save the ship without losing the soul, so to speak? Yeah, well, yeah, we'd make a lot of money if, you know, if, if people believe us. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we I, wouldn't. I, not, not, not in Christian higher ed. <laughs> 
I think you, I think you, you know, you've hit on the core, the core thing, and that is having something that's distinctive. Um, but you know, I, <laughs> you can spend years. What is, what is, what, are, what do people need from us? I mean, you can spend years doing that. Uh, so it's, it's not necessarily an easy thing to answer. Um, you know, I, I, I would love for stuff to go viral that I put on Twitter, you know, or Facebook, but it almost never does. Uh, and, and there, there are a few times where things have gone viral and it's like, why did that go viral? And so, when it does, it's almost never a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you wake up one morning, you put something on Facebook and you, you come back five hours later and there are a million angry World War Three you know, things going on. Um, so finding something that's distinctive is not necessarily an easy, an easy thing. But I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Having things that are distinctive are, are key. Um, Blase is not going to do anything unless, unless, you know, they've got a lot of people around looking for Blase. Um, so finding that thing that's distinctive. And I think it's important. Um, again, I, I got pushback on this a lot on Facebook once. Um, I was quoting a friend of mine who said that your, your brand, uh, you don't decide your brand. Other people um, are the ones that decide your brand. So finding what's distinctive may be more a matter of what people like about you rather than what you want it to be. Well, our brand, I think our brand is going to be underwater basket weaving. Well, you know, is that really what people think your brand is? So I definitely would say find the thing that's your niche, the the, the thing that's distinctive. Um, I think Houghton, again, I'm sorry to mention these schools. I hope they don't mind. You know, they have a London honors program um, that is very expensive, I'm sure, you know, but it's distinctive. I mean, uh, Indiana Wesleyan has a distinctive honors program um, and they never lack of applicants. Of course, it also involves money. But um, uh, so having things that are distinctive are definitely, uh, that's that's at the core, I think. Um, well, you mentioned money. And I, I think, you know, just a couple episodes back, maybe, or one episode back, we I interviewed Alan Noble from down at OBU. And I think I think it was him I saw say, at some point, there is more than enough money in the Christian world, in the church world, whether we're talking about evangelicalism or whatever, to shore up these institutions, to really, to endow them, to allow them to flourish. But it has to be a priority. The church has to actually see it as being important. Um, and I think he, I think he even made the point, basically, if we would take just a small fraction of the money in the evangelical world that is spent every election cycle on political campaigns, I mean, just millions and millions and millions of dollars, many, much of which turns out to be wasted because, you know, the person you donated to actually lost or, or they, or they turned out to not be a good leader. Or if, if we would. Uh, steward the resources that are there, we could save some of the institutions that are actually shaping the future minds and hearts and persons of um, the church, but it has to be a priority. Um, and then those institutions have to be faithful to the the mission they've been given and not, you know, drift off into into la la land. Would you agree with that assessment of the money is there to, to shore up these institutions? The, the money is there. The problem is aligning, in my opinion, the problem is aligning the donors with, with what the college wants to do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think I think Oak Wu again. This is just an outside impression. Has has not done bad at all with with um, especially some of the stuff in apologetics and so forth. But Biola, I think, is is a done a um, a superb job. Although I think I think they can they've, they've not maybe optimized the channeling of that of that. Um, um, but uh, Oak Oak Wu, I think, has done a good job of aligning. Uh, my impression donors with some of the things that you do there uh, in that area. So I think the problem is finding, I mean, these donors are constantly, you know, the people are constantly knocking on the door of these donors, you know, for funds. Um, so the, the key is finding an alignment of, of passion. Because mm-hmm. um, they're not just, I mean, they're, 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 they're wanting to invest in something they're passionate about uh, and something that they think actually has a chance of, yeah of, of of paying off in my, my opinions well and you know i know probably lots of presidents have said this i know our president jim dunn has said money follows mission and and there has to be a sense that the mission is is important and is you know something that has a a chance to make a difference and so that's something that places you know christian higher ed professors like myself and leaders have to to communicate that mission and we're almost out of time, but let's talk a little bit. I, I, uh, I know this wasn't going to be like a campus CDU, campus CDU sure. commercial, but what are you guys doing that is trying to innovate in the space of Christian higher ed? I know you're not necessarily trying to compete with institutions. You're trying to partner with them. So yes. what are you guys up to with, with campus? Sure. Well, we, we are B2B, so we're not uh, selling to individual students. Uh, we're trying to connect Christian colleges to um, uh, the high school market, I think probably, you know, and we're, we're a startup, uh, based upon a, a, a bookstore business that's been around for 25 years, but, um, so there, there've been some adjustments, but we find that the, the high school market is, um, uh, a key area of interest for one thing, one of the problems, here's another problem with Christian higher education right now is that students are coming to us with, the equivalent of associate's degree. They're doing AP, they're doing dual credit, um, and they're they're knocking on our door. My, my daughter graduated from college in two and a half years because she had about 60 hours worth of college credit coming out of high school. Now, I can tell you most faculty, and this is my impression, most faculty aren't too excited about that college credit. They feel like that dual credit probably isn't as good as the literature class they could have taken, you know, here at Oak Woo or that AP in chemistry, you know, isn't the same as taking uh, a year of college chemistry. Um, in fact, I would recommend, you know, anybody who gets an AP in an area they actually want to major in, they should take the foundational courses again, you know, when they go to college or they're going to find themselves, in my opinion, behind um, when they get to that second second year. Um, so, but it's a reality. I don't think there's anything we can do about it. Our students are going to come to us with one or two years of college already. This is part of the um, part of the financial problem. Uh, we don't have them as long uh, unless we add graduate programs. That's one of the solutions: is to build up. You know, say, well, okay, you you're only here for two years in undergraduate. Here, we're throwing two more years on the Barbie. You know, for a master's degree in, in that area. Um, but campus is. Uh, we're working with ACSI, Association of Christian Schools International, which is five point five million. Uh, Christian students around the world. Um, uh, we are 
uh, after COVID, ACSI realized they needed a platform. Otherwise, all these high schools would be doing all their own online programs. So ACI said, you know, rather than have the Book of Judges where everybody does online in their own eyes, you know, let's let's create a platform and and get get um, the best of the, of the of the Christian high school world. And campus is the platform for that. So we're building out some dual enrollment, which dual enrollment is genuine college credit offered by a Christian college. Um, and so, um, for example, uh, how many Christian high schools out there have a, uh, you know, a chemistry teacher? I mean, some of them do clearly, but some of them probably don't. And so what if um, we work with uh, Geneva College uh, through uh, Portage, which is a, 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 a connector with Geneva? What if we work through Portage to offer um, a, a college level chemistry course that a nursing student, you know, um, you know, so it's not their primary area. Uh, nurse needs to know something about chemistry, but she doesn't have to be able to, you know, uh, split an atom. Uh, so um, uh, why not? Why not um, get them a head start? You know, uh, with chemistry in at a Christian high school. So we are really uh, working aggressively uh, this summer, especially to build out a uh, a K through twelve uh, online um, uh, offerings. Uh, that if if a Christian college gets on our platform, I think every Christian college should have a teaser course um, on our platform that's available for these Christian high school students to take. And it's kind of like a hey, come to Oakwood because we've got Josh McDonald teaching Intro to Theology, you know, on our platform, and um, and uh, man, he's smart. I really want to go study with him, you know, in in uh, Bartlesville. So uh, I think probably the high school thing is the biggest thing we're doing. We're also doing uh, course exchange. Um, so we will publish uh, for free an online catalog of whatever online classes, whatever Christian college wants to. I think Indiana Wesleyan, we've, we've, we're putting 70 of their on, we're just advertising for them basically. Uh, so if, if somebody, uh, you know, let's say that um, somebody at uh, Christian college X needs a math course and it's not offered, you know, well, then they can go to our exchange and take it through Indiana Wesleyan. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So partnering with yeah. those schools to offer these courses with, you know, prof professional video lectures and all sorts of different stuff. So, and we are doing a lot of video enhancement. I mean, that's where we're trying to do a Disney plus version. You know, every, every story, um, every uh, gold course has a theme, uh, something that's uh, trying to make it uh, more engaging uh, for the attention, you know, uh, the seven minute, attention deficit generation, uh, you know, um, instead of a 30 minute lecture, break, break that up into three or four smaller clips, you know, for mm -hmm. them to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just taught a course for Wesley Sim and I, um, I did some very short videos, you know, like seven, eight minute videos instead of the big long, you know, and the several of the students that they really appreciated those, that short video content, instead of, you know, just hearing a voice or a yes. long lecture that, you know, they had to try to manage listening to on their drive to work or whatever. So I mean, the value proposition in my mind is online has become uh, assembly line. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, all the courses look the same. They're all, uh, in fact, one of the inspirations for the company was uh, when the, when the founder, Darren Campbell, his children uh, took a, 
a high school online course with a very reputable, not IWU, not a Wesleyan school, but he took, he took an online course and he thought, this is horrible. Yeah. Surely we can do better than this. Yeah. And that was part of the inspiration for the company. Well, we're going to have to do better. And I know, you know, those of us who really believe in Christian higher ed, I've been really blessed to be at an institution that haven't, that hasn't had some of these terribly catastrophic layoffs and things like that. But one of the reasons I want to do this episode is I, I do care about Christian higher ed. I think it matters. And I think there are some things that we can do to, um, to invest in these institutions that are going to be important if we're going to continue to disciple and form and shape and educate um, Christians for, uh, for this next century. So Ken, I appreciate all the work that you've put in over the years in Christian higher ed, both at uh, the undergraduate level, at the seminary level, uh, in administration, and now in this, uh, in this new venture. So thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, wish, you, wish you all the best in the future. Same to you. Great to see you. Where can folks follow you real quick if they want to follow you online? Do you have a TikTok uh, account? Do you make uh, music videos? I have not made any music videos. Uh, I mean, uh, if you put in Ken, Ken Schenk, S-C-H-E-N-C-K, you'll, you'll get all kinds of stuff you're not interested in. So. Uh, sounds good. Follow Ken online. Get stuff you're not interested in. No TikTok videos about Philo <laughs> or the book of Hebrews, but other things, other things along the way. So Ken, thanks for joining us, my friend. Pleasure. 